What's up, guys? Cameron here. Aaron's back. Matt here. Welcome to another edition of Tinseltown Thunderdome. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the second installment in the Spider-Verse trilogy. Just a heads up, we will be getting into spoilers, so if you haven't seen it yet, pause this episode, go to the theater and watch it, then come back and resume our show. I'm joined today, as always, by Matt and Aaron. Howdy. Hi. <laughs> oh, man. How did These I not intros. catch that? How did I not catch this? <laughs> I really love the uh, the double intros. <laughs> <laughs> Toughest part of the podcast. Um <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, wait, wait, wait. I, I can feel fix the it. need, the need for speed. <laughs> I, I, I got it, I got it that time. I wish I had it. Oh, man. Wait, I can fix this. I can fix this. I feel the um, need, the need for speed. That's the quote. Um, let me, me start over. Let me start over on the. Leave, I'm I think you just leave all this in and we move right on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm that, dead serious. I think it's good. Yeah, actually. Okay. Um, it's kind of Spider Verse. This is what an indie podcast is like. Aware, meta, you know, like we just blame it on our parallel selves. Yeah, the there we universe. go. Okay, okay. So, okay, let's start the discussion um, with our our each of our. Jesus Christ! I can't speak. Let's get this idiot host from Earth forty two out of here, <laughs> Cameron from Earth twelve. You're coming in. Okay, compose myself. Spider-Man, what's y'all's relationship to Spider-Man? Where did you first meet Spider-Man? Did, where did y'all were y'all avid readers of the comics? Did you start off with Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, maybe? Wow, I did not I start with Tom you, Holland. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not ten years old. <laughs> but um, I I I kind of have a pathetic story. Um, I I don't think I really knew much about Spider-Man until the Sam Raimi movie came out i mean i I knew who he was i knew how he moved i knew he fought crime i knew he was a younger (laughs) superhero but and i knew what he looked like but that's about it um and i went to the sam i went to you know see toby mcguire as spider-man loved that movie so much i came home to my dorm i was in college put on a spider-man suit and i climbed the school auditorium um in a spider-man suit and then a future NBA player saw me climbing, and I think he thought he hallucinated it. <laughs> uh, I will say that my first off, I thought when when you started your spiel, I thought you said a prophetic story, not a pathetic. Oh, and I was like, wow, where is this going? Um, my relationship with Spider Man is basically the same as yours, Matt. I didn't read the comics. Um, I of course knew who Spider-Man was. Um, I knew he fought crime and how he moved. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I basically, um, was introduced to Spider-Man by Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi and it was awesome. Okay. Okay. You weirdos. (laughs) I knew Spider-Man and what he was all about (laughs) from when I was pretty much a little kid. Um, I, I didn't read the graphic novels or the comic books as a young, young kid, but certainly was aware of Spider-Man as a character. Um, probably played Spider-Man for Halloween as a 
preteen at some point, but I'm not certain. I'm, I'm not sure if I remember that correctly or not. I know I played, I know I wore a costume for uh, Superman, but I feel like I did Spider-Man too. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it, as a teen, I read some of the comics, not many. I read, you know, like a handful of them. Um, and I found him pretty interesting, but I wasn't, he wasn't my preferred comic book character. So I was into, you know, like Spawn and some of these kind of more fringe characters. <clears throat> um, but there was a great animated TV series in the 90s about Spider-Man. And I think it was called Amazing Spider-Man, but mm-hmm. I, I could be getting that wrong. Um, that was awesome. It was, it was sort of like a kind of edgy designed for teen slash young adult uh, kind of animated series. It was a little bit like the Batman animated series that came out around the same time, Mm -hmm. which was also very dark, actually much more dark than the Spider-Man series. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I I ate that stuff up. It was great. So when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man came out, it was awesome. It was like a realization of this, like a live action version and finally come around. That was really cool. Um, I, I never watched the Garfield really? Spider-Man. I have no connect. Well, I guess that's not true because he was in the I watched one, third not, Holland yeah. one. Right. So yeah. we're yeah. spoiling here. I'm, I feel free to say yeah. that. Um, yeah. I think it. you can say that. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I, I think, uh, I think I had a pretty, pretty standard relationship with spider-man growing up compared to other kids that i was around just that i think i think matt it was surprising to me that you had not really been as aware of it particularly because the animated series i mean i think you would have been like i don't know some 13 14 15 when it came out um and it was pretty big where i was so i know other kids were watching it too I, I, I was at the time I was studying quantum physics. And, uh, missed the uh, missed that opportunity. He was I'm on kidding. a different Earth where Spider-Man right. did not exist. Well, I'm glad that the trajectory was studying quantum physics, then dressing as Spider-Man and climbing a building at your, your school. <laughs> well, that's, that's sort a of good Miles Morales's trajectory as well. Right. So it's a <laughs> that's true. I guess we can just go around first and say initially if we liked it or didn't like it. I loved it. Five stars, letterbox, ten stars. Out of, what? Out, of out of ten? Oh, okay. No, five out of five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I thought it was great. I had pretty low expectations for it, um, given how amazing the first movie was. Um, but I loved it. I think it actually surpassed the first movie. Yeah, I think, I mean, Lord, Lord and Miller have done it again. They're both Lord of the Mill and Millers of the Lord. They served us five out of five star wine. Um, I, I, I like no expectations. I, I really like the um, Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, the thing is, it's ridiculous. Everything you said is exactly my experience. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I had low expectations. Like, wow, this is well-reviewed. I've seen so many Spider-Man stories. Um, at that time, I hadn't seen so many Marvel multiverse stories yet, yet. I'd seen too many already. Um, and then I was really entertained. Um, and But I didn't think a sequel could really do much. Yet, Lord and Miller and, and the three directors, um, particularly, I mean, Kemp Powers has done some great stuff recently that I've been impressed with. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but 
Um, I was, and it was extremely entertaining, meaningful, um, just a home run. I would say, I would say, a, a three-run homer. Not a grand slam. Not a grand slam. We got to save the grand slam. Okay. I'm uh, glad these baseball metaphors are yeah. sticking. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this movie shocked me. I was riveted. I thought it was hysterical. I couldn't stop laughing. I was. I don't laugh out loud much. And to get me to do that in a movie that's animated and does still have a target audience that's teen focused is pretty hard. And this movie did it over and over and over again. Mm. Um, I think Lord and Miller are some of my favorite comic writers around. They just, there's something about their style. It's so offbeat. It's so unpredictable and remains unpredictable through the many iterations of experiencing them. You know, it's sometimes unpredictable. Folks can become predictable once you've gotten a sense of their vibe. Lord and Miller continue to, to have um, a, a, an ability to, to pull the rug out from under me. Um, I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the director. Mm-hmm. What does the director do in animated films? Yeah, okay. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm well. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about the directors and Matt hit on Kim Powers. So let me answer your question in just a second after I give a brief intro on them. Um, Dos Santos is um, some of our viewers may know him or may, may find his name to be familiar. Um, if you watch Avatar, The Last Airbender, he is one of the prominent directors of that series. Um, and from what I understand, he was brought in, and this is sort of going to help answer your question. He was brought in for a lot of the visuals. Can I stop you there for a second, just so I understand this? Not that this should be a, a class on filmmaking, but is there a cinematographer playing a role in that as well? There so is. is it like, so is the director in the room with the animators saying like, here's how we're going to block this. And then the cinematographer's like, here's how I'm going to do the lighting. Like, how's that all working? First, first they get a super collider that Kingpin has set up <laughs> and right. it gets going. And then there's a f- rip in the fabric of space time. They go inside the animation right, <laughs> and direct it like they would a live action film. But what if they get stuck in spot? Yeah, that's, that's mm, another story. That's true. No, these um, are, I mean, those are great questions. I've wondered all these things. I'm actually looking at the IMDb page right now to see who the cinematographer is on this. And weirdly, it is not showing one. But that is not always the case. I could be wrong, but usually there's a cinematographer attached. Okay. And if there's not a cinematographer attached, there's a cinematographer who is sort of a consultant on the project. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. Roger Deakins was a consultant on, I think he may have like a pretty legitimate credit on Rango, but he was basically brought in to help work very closely with the animators on how everything should look, the lighting, the angles, you know, whatnot. And then the last uh, director is Justin K. Thompson. I don't know much about Justin K. Thompson, but uh oh kim powers great director great writer he got big in pixar he did soul um from what i understand he was brought in to really work on the story so 
the reason Dude, I wanted to get Miami. into that. One Night Miami. Which oh, one Night Miami. talked about quite a bit. Yes. Um, so I think he's got. He's able to. Uh, he seems just like a very good story weaver, but mm-hmm. then also someone who can do dialogue. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that is like the brilliance of this movie, as from like a producerial standpoint, is that Lord and Miller were clever enough to arrange a team of directors that could work well together and bring their strengths to the table. Well, and I think the first one was directed by others as well, but it was more their like 21 Jump Street and other, like like a lot of their former collaborators. Yeah. And for this, they reached across the Hollywood verse a little further and pulled in some folks that were maybe new for them, but were like top of their game. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. That's just the impression I've got from my own brief research which got me thinking about what you said Aaron how uh, you thought this the second movie was hilarious I found it to be funny but I actually found the first one to be funnier and this one to be a little bit more serious there were definitely serious parts for sure there were just certain sequences that had me in stitches I, yeah he, he so the it was spider cat the spider cat oh man just that whole everything that <laughs> occurs on that chase yeah. is it's it was like old boy but like funny right right and um you know it was it was really very very entertaining i i will say i I think this was schwartzman's best role of his career i i applaud him as the spot Mm -hmm. what an amazing performance well done jason schwartzman you finally (laughs) really this seems like a real backhanded compliment oh it's definitely backhanded (laughs) but it's also a compliment i mean it's real i i think schwartzman plays himself all the time and for once he got to be a character and it was cool to see yeah i think you're right i think wes anderson's at fault for that mainly but 100 (laughs) i think wes anderson crafted him as a human he molded him out of some sort of weird, like very pastel colored clay. Yeah, and right. that became Jason Schwartzman. And yeah. he finally got to do something different and it was cool. Yeah. No, the spot is a great character. Um, it's a really good villain. I, I, there were a lot of villains in this, but he was my favorite. It was like a, a, a like an unusual villain, like a kind of quirky, goofy villain that like turns into a pretty like uh, there was a a Riddler quality to his villainy. That was really cool. Definitely. We're always doing these podcasts from various parts of the globe or the United States, depending on when it is. And uh, uh, for the movie, Matt and I were together and we were able to go with children with our oh, children to the movie. Our children, our children. That's right. We went with our children. We went with yeah. our children to the movie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean. Not random we children. Were with I, was children. Ass- <laughs> I was assuming people would Our children, we don't understood. share these children. They're separate. That's right. <laughs> Nobody Anyways, knows. We didn't just grab them violence. from the street. Yeah. yeah. It was, okay, so, you know, the ages were, I think, younger than the, the target, target audience. You know, sub-10 age ranges but um but the kids got it i i think they were extremely disappointed by the ending um just just your just one of your children was very disappointed well you know even even my older son um my my oldest child who's i'll leave it to you to reveal any elements of who they are also also felt like um the ending was was 
I mean, he tried to, I think he tried to make my my daughter, who's a little younger than him, feel better about how disappointed she was that there she was, was a, angry. Uh, she was very angry. She was like, well, I, I paid all this money and <laughs> this is what I got out of this. A, a sequel's coming. I need what? some goddamn resolution. <laughs> yeah, she was super. <laughs> she pissed. was really angry. Yeah, and, really. Uh, wow. And, and then my my son, um, sort of, he's he's you're younger than her. He kind of he kind of fed off that a little bit. He's like, that was okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, was, it was he's interesting. Like, I didn't like there wasn't an ending. Okay, but yeah. okay. Did uh, okay. Three movies that came to mind when I saw this: Dune, Avengers: Infinity War, and Spider Man. I'm assuming you can figure out the connection. Yeah. Or it yeah. could have been Mission Impossible. It could be, yeah. Back, right. to the, back to the Future 2. Uh, not yeah. as familiar with that, so I can't. <sighs> oh, well, no, kidding? like I, no, I, I just, the second it's that not you, fresh on my you mind. You read Beowulf in Middle English, <laughs> and you don't know Robert Zemeckis' <laughs> other I did not works? read it. The teacher oh. spoke to me well, I bet Robert Zemeckis did in preparation for While I was Beowulf. asleep. <laughs> Incredible. Um. Anyway, That's all I have to those say about three that. movies, <laughs> those right. three movies um, are, of course, part one of two. But Infinity War, I will fight to the death that it is a self-contained movie. Dune is not, and Spider-Man Two is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is not. However, for some reason. I didn't have as much of a problem with it having like an open ending than I did in Dune. And I don't know if I know why that is, but I'm just being honest. I feel like I know why. Okay. And I think it has to do with the fact that Dune tried to do both and didn't succeed. So I think Mm. it wanted to be a contained film that also had a sequel, but it didn't quite succeed. I think what makes was, you think you wanted to be a contained film? Well, I just felt like they were trying to make an ending that that had some um, resolution, some kind of resolution, right. and yet it didn't feel like it really succeeded there. Mm. And so I I felt like it, it should have just done what I mean, it should have ended on a, a more cliffhangery. Um, yeah. uh, let's wait to see what happens in the next film, kind of ending. Um, yeah. And instead, it, it seemed to try and tie a baby bow on the package and say, "Well, there's a bigger package coming." Right. Um, but I just, I, I, I think that was. I mean, Dune was a great film, but I just think it. <clears throat> I, I don't think they managed that as well as they could have. Yeah. I think Across the Spider Verse was great. They're like, here it is. There's another part coming. <laughs> like, yeah. here we are. Cliffhanger. The, boom. This thing's happened. More's great. coming. I mean, yeah. they got to they twist. And just like infused it with energy right at the end, and like, re- like reshaped it in a way that even went back to the first movie with reference, you know, to the spider from the, the other universe, and kind of like there were just all this unveiling, like like peeling back the onion, mm-hmm. but in ways that weren't it's not like watching Lost or something. It right. was not it was all meaningful and personal. Yeah, I think this conversation helped me work through my thoughts, and I think. One thing that you touched on, Matt, just now is that there seemed to be a very, like, purposeful direction to the story. But also, it the momentum was was building the entire time. And especially in that last act, it was like, it was moving. And 
it was propulsive and it seemed to be coming to this like crescendo and the crescendo of course was the twist that he was on the wrong earth um and that something bad is about to happen um and i think maybe where dune bothered me is that it it was kind of all over the place in terms of its like inertia it would it would like start off a little slow build up have this like climax of of the invasion of the harkonnens and then it slowed down when paul went into the desert with his mom so i think like for the movie to end in that way was kind of a letdown whereas this one was you're like pumped up and you're like whoa i got to you know there's so much energy in it and it's so fast there was a an almost empire strikes back quality to it yeah where you're like oh the protagonist has been put in a very precarious position how is he going to get out of this and yeah. that i i really do think that's why empire strikes back was so powerful is like first of all the movie's just the best of the the original star wars movies but in in, in its totality but that ending was just fantastic yeah. i mean you're like oh my gosh a movie that ends that way and i hope that this spider verse tri- maybe it's a trilogy i guess it's a trilogy yeah, i think i, hope I understand that that it's a trilogy i hope that that one. okay i hope yeah. that beyond Positions. it uh, succeeds better than Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi was fine, but I, I, I don't think it was as great as the first two. And it seems like these first two are pretty amazing, so I hope they can stick the landing. I, I'm completely satisfied with this movie. I, I have, like, I don't have... I, I have no notes, except, like, don't... Like, kids who don't know about To Be Continued will be... Might be really pissed off <laughs> right i and mean maybe the only adults. maybe the only note i would have is that it was a little long now it wasn't long oh, in terms yeah. of story structure but just in terms of runtime yeah for an animated film it was longer than i expected 15 and minutes so, longer than needed to be yeah so when i got towards the end i was like wow this is first of all first of yeah. all i had no idea it was a two-parter so i was like holy cow i have no idea how they're gonna resolve all these things in the next three minutes it ended up being 20 minutes not three minutes and and they didn't resolve any of it so yeah so it, it made more sense at the end for me but boy if i'm an unknowing viewer that's younger i can totally see how the last 30 minutes of that movie would be like kind of frustrating and difficult to disentangle in my mind i have like yeah what's going on here like why am i still sitting in the movie theater why is there no resolution yeah and you know, and who the hell is, you know, I mean, not maybe, you know, I don't know who the hell are these characters that are showing up at the end. Like there's the, the multiverse quality works really well, but it can be somewhat jarring. I think when you have somebody presented and you don't get to kind of flesh out what's happening, it's like, oh, well, who was that? I can't wait to discuss Oppenheimer with you guys. Speaking of length, <laughs> we can't we can't yet. We're only two thirds of the way there. That time. will be that will come soon. Yes, it, it, it will come soon. I, it's <laughs> it's more difficult for me to get three plus hours. I mean, four hours in total to just step away from and life. Man, but it's gonna the happen. young kids in the end of that movie are really gonna struggle. <laughs> <laughs> A lot you got to talk about. It was fun. That was the other yeah. thing. It's like 
The whole movie was fun. Yeah. Um, it was deep. It was, it was smart. funny. Yeah. It was smart, but it was also just really, really fun. And um, and the voices were distinct. I know we didn't list all the the important. Um, if there are anyone who, you want to highlight, please do. Like Oscar yeah. Isaac was incredible for me. He, Jason Schwartzman, was I thought, was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah for sure. Backhanded delivered. Really. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's the who's the guy? Um, one of the one of the other actors. I I forget his name. But Brian Tyree. Green Brian Tyree Henry. Henry. Brian, that's Brian, right. That, that, he does the father's voice. Yeah, he's the dad. Yeah, yeah I really great. really love that voice. It's, Watch Atlanta. I, okay. I know. I need to. I need Paperboy. To. That's Paperboy. Yeah, that, that's another great voice. He's great um, in everything, other than Eternals. <laughs> Issa oh, Rae, she's great. I mean, the, the whole thing was really well done. Yeah. He works in Eternals as a bedtime story reader to put, put you to sleep. Oh, my God. Uh, we, we, we can't talk about that movie. Looking forward yeah. to the next Lord and Miller project. I, I, I think I'm going to see After Party Season two next, which will give me a dose. I've started it. You've started okay. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm looking forward that. to the next thing that they actually direct. Sure. Been, that would be great that too. Should have been although, one of my dream team things. Although I feel like they are moving into a, a creative space of continuing to write and also doing a ton of producing, mm. but less focused on directing. And I don't know if that's just because it's more time consuming and they have other things they want to curate rather than direct, but I just ha- don't see them doing as much direction as they used to. Well, all right. <laughs> Unless, <laughs> on, that, on that happy on that. note. <laughs> We'd love to know what you think about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. As always, follow us on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about the Thunderdome. Give our show a rating. It really helps. Until next time, peace. Peace.